Would you turn to two places in the scripture this morning? James 2 and Proverbs 18. James 3. I think I said 2, but it's James 3 and Proverbs 18. Let's go further into the word. We've been talking about the power of the tongue. And I want us to go further into it uh, today. Uh, James chapter 3 and verse 2. It says, In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The word perfect means complete, fully developed. You can tell how mature you are spiritually by how often you miss it with your mouth. If you really are growing up and developing spiritually, you'll go for days and not say stupid stuff. You'll go for months. If you're really becoming mature, you'll go a year at a time and not say unbelieving bad stuff. But if you're just saying dumb stuff, you know, every other breath, then you are a baby, baby Christian. You are not developed. And so should we grow up? Hmm? I got four nods and a grunt. Uh, you think we ought to grow up? Can, is there an indicator? Huh? How can you tell you're growing up? If you don't miss it in what you say, you are a completely developed individual. And able to control things in your life, including your whole body, the, the verse said. He went on to talk about how you can control a horse with a bit and a bridle. You can control a big ship with a little rudder. And he goes on to say, and that's the way the tongue is in your life. So we can alter the direction of our life with the words that we're saying. Proverbs 18, if you'd look in verse 20. Proverbs 18 and 20, he said, a man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Increase doesn't begin in your checking savings accounts. It doesn't begin in your purse or your pocketbook. It starts in your mouth. And the great thing about it is you can have zero in your checking account and you can talk increase right now. You don't have to have another dollar to do that, and talking that will set you, will begin to pull you out of lack into abundance, into plenty and abundance. You, we should never talk lack. We should never talk how hard it is and how tough it is. Now, see, the world talks this all the time, so most people don't notice it. And Christians are talking the same dumb stuff the world is, but you and I ought not talk. Don't talk about what you don't have. Don't talk about what you don't know. Don't talk about what you can't do. Don't talk about how hard or how tough or how high it is. Talk faith. Talk increase. Uh, people say, well, it's just so hard. It's just, you know, in times it's hard, man. I mean, you know, this is tight and that's tight and nobody's making any money. Not true. There were a lot of people last year made a lot of money. You know that? There were people that made a bunch of money. Well, now, you, you might as well be one of them. Why do you have to get left out of this? 
Well, that year's passed, but this can be a great year for you, no matter what is going on in the company, in the community, in the government. Now, yeah, we need to pray and believe for our country, but even if some tough stuff's going on in other places, uh, Dave was reading the scripture about your place is pleasant, right, and wonderful where you are. Remember that even in the Old Covenant, there was plague and darkness in the land of Egypt, and the sun was shining bright right over the state line huh? where God's people were. Isn't that amazing? That's like it being pitch dark in Missouri and the sun shining in Arkansas, and it's just a line right there. So things can be hard and grievous all around you, but God could take care of you and you could not only be sustained, but increase. And wouldn't that be a witness? Wouldn't that be a light? Wouldn't people look at you and go, how are you doing this? How is that happening? And you just smile and say, I need to introduce you to somebody. (laughs) You must know somebody. You go, I do. I know somebody. I know somebody. And you can know him too. Verse uh, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's say that first sentence out loud a couple of times. Say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let's say it together. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. One more time. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do you believe that? Does it matter what's coming out of our mouth? How much does it matter? It is a matter of death or life. Life or death. Would you go with me to, um, you're there in Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs, the 12th chapter. And then we'll also go over to Ephesians, the 4th chapter. Proverbs 12 and Ephesians 4. You believing with me this morning for, for utterance? And, you know, utterance is not all up to the preacher. It's greatly affected by the hearer. I have my part right now. You have your part. The Holy Spirit has his part. And he's certainly faithful to do his part. In um, Proverbs 12 and verse 18. It says, there is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The New American Standard says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of of what? What kind of person? Now wisdom always has to do with the future. Wisdom has to do with looking at cause and effect. At sowing and reaping. A wise person will think about what they're going to say or do before they do it. And they will think about the consequences. And repercussions before they do it. And if you'll take the time to do that, oftentimes you'll go, I ain't going to do that. Because I don't want those repercussions. 
Now a fool will do whatever strikes them and then think about it afterwards. A fool will say and do stuff and then it backfire on them and hurt them and cause problems and they go, wow, wish I hadn't done that. Well, yeah, but you should have thought about it before you did it. Fools don't think. They don't, you heard the phrase, uh, they, they didn't look beyond their nose. They can't see beyond their nose. That's a foolish person, no wisdom. Wisdom, uh, in fact, just look at the 15th chapter, just across a page or two of Proverbs 15 and 28. It says, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous does what? Studies. To answer, is that thinking before you speak? It is. Are we fools or are we wise? If we're going to be wise, we can't just say whatever crosses our mind. We can't just talk about how we feel. We have to think about the effects of our words before we release them. And then we should speak on purpose and speak for effect. Now this is a person who's growing up spiritually, who's developing, who is learning to choose their words wisely and release faith and love and wisdom in them and to accomplish a certain purpose to cause some things to happen. Not just telling what I feel and what I think, but using your words on purpose. In Isaiah 55, you don't have to turn there, they'll put it up on the screen for us. But Isaiah 55, 10, the Lord speaks about his words. He says, as the rain comes down from heaven, the snow, rain comes down, snow from heaven, returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The rain comes and produces something. Can you see that? Something good. Something to eat. Verse 11, the Lord says, that's how my word is that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It referring to what? What did he send? He sent his word and he sent his word to do something. God doesn't just comment on stuff. He changes things when he speaks. He doesn't just make remarks. He remakes when he speaks. What about your words? When you talk, what is going on? What happens when you speak? Now see, so many have thought that words are just for expressing yourself, informing, requesting. And this is a big mistake. People just, this is how I feel, this is what I think. And and a lot of times repeating what other people say. And this is a mistake. So much of what you think and feel should never come out of your mouth and mine. And you'll tell carnal people are always talking about how they feel. 
I just feel. I really feel. I just feel so. Well, does it matter? No. <laughs> Talking about how you feel. You should be thinking about the effect what you're saying is having on people who are hearing this. Now in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 29. He said let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Did he say try not to? Did he say work on it? No. Don't let it come out of your mouth. But. What should come out of your mouth is that which is good to the use of edifying. Edifying is where we get our word edifice from. It has to do with something that's built on a foundation and builds up like a skyscraper. It builds up. So that which is good to the use of building up. That it may minister grace to the hearers. What's going to minister grace to the hearer? What's coming out of your mouth? Is ministering grace. Now is this significant? Will the grace of God help people? Can grace of God come into people's minds, hearts, lives, bodies, marriages, homes. When you open your mouth. That's a little weak. Is it true? Is it possible? That you could say some things that people would hear. And it's not just your words. God gave those things for you to say. And you're speaking them. And they were weary. They were worn. They felt like quitting and giving up. But after listening to you for 30 minutes. They want to get up and tackle this thing again. And they believe they can have a different outcome. What happened? That you didn't do. You were a vessel. But God ministered grace to them. Through those words. And his grace is more than enough. With enough grace, you can get through anything. You can receive anything with enough grace. And grace can be ministered through words that you speak. In the, um, what is it, the, the New Century version of this verse. New Century says, when you talk, do not say harmful things. But say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. Mm-mm. See, God, God says, when I speak, it never comes back to me empty. It always accomplishes what I mean for it to do, and it'll prosper and do what I sent that word to do. Well, he's your father. You are made in his likeness and image. You are a speaking spirit. And if we would, we could be sending our words and they wouldn't be returning empty. And they would be doing good to people that heard it. And prospering them and increasing them. I'm believing for the words that are coming out of my mouth right now to do that very thing. I'm not a preacher, Brother Keith. This ain't a preacher verse. That's right. This ain't just for preachers. This is for everybody. You're supposed to come in here and get your little tank filled right up. 
And then you go out and release words of life and blessing on your kids and your grandkids and your spouse and your neighbors and the people you work with and the folks in the grocery store. Come on, are you listening? And you always got just the right thing to say. Now, if you're going to have this, you got to quit telling everybody what you think and how you feel. And you got to start thinking about what do they need to hear, what's going to help them, and wait and pause and study to answer. Now, oftentimes, you won't get it even while you're talking with them. You may not get it that night. It may be three days later. It may be when you see them again next time. Are you, are you listening, friends? You may have to call them on the phone tomorrow or something. Just don't be quick. Be quick to hear, but don't be quick to speak. And check your heart. And of course, the more you develop in this, you'll get more proficient. You'll be able to get things quicker and respond quicker. But if you've just been talking night and day about what you think and how you feel, this is a big transition. And so you, you may just need to be quiet a lot for a bit while you look and think and get this sorted. <laughs> well, it is the truth. Uh, go with me over to Job, if you would. Can anything good come out of Job? It's the Word of God, so yes. Job 26. Job 26. And verse uh, 3. Now, Job's friends, you know, he was attacked grievously. We know who attacked him, don't we? Bible says very plainly it was the devil that went and uh, caused a storm that blew in the house and, and killed his kids. Bible says very clearly it was the devil that did that. And it was the devil that moved and stirred up thieves and, and his neighbors stole all his livestock and stole all his stuff. The Bible said clearly it was the devil that did that. And then eventually it was the devil that came and attacked his body and he had boils on him and everything else. It's the devil. Are we clear on who did it? Yes. And so he's hurting. I mean, he's grieving for his kids. He's lost all his great wealth. He's lost his health. He's in a bad way. He wants to die. And his friends came that he had known and for years, and they had had good fellowship and, and enjoyed each other's company. And the Bible said they just sat on the ground and didn't say anything for, for several days. That was wisdom. But then after that, they decided they had to tell him what they thought. <laughs> and uh, at one point, he just ups and says, you are a bunch of miserable comforters. Because <laughs> they weren't helping him at all. <laughs> and this is what he says about some of the things that they were saying. A lot of what they were saying were accusations. You must have done this. Or you must have done that. And maybe you did this for all this bad stuff. To and they're just shots in the dark. And well I think this. And I heard that. And maybe. Sounds like Christians. <laughs> and he Job says in Job 26.3. After I guess this is about 24 chapters of this. He says. How have you counseled him. That has no wisdom. He's being sarcastic. Oh, you have really brought some wise counsel. And how have you plentifully declared the thing 
as it is. Now what does that mean? You have really told how it is. And how has that helped us? Have you ever heard people say, well, I'm just calling it like I see it. (laughs) And that's helping us how? (laughs) He said, you have plentifully declared the thing as it is. If there's a problem, uh, so many times you don't need to talk about it. You know, somebody's done this and they've done that and this is messed up and this is lacking. You don't need to come in there and go, I observe you're in a mess. (laughs) You're really in a mess. And then other people gather up and we all agree. You're messed up. And we we use eloquence to describe it and we go into great detail and we talk about, yeah, you know, Uncle Bob, way back when, he was messed up bad, but not bad as you. I mean, <laughs> and the other fellow said, yeah, I've seen some stuff, but man, you, whew. Plentifully declaring the thing as it is. Faith doesn't plentifully declare it as it is. Faith will call those things that be not as though they were. Come on, can you see? Look, skip over in Job. Go, go back to the 16th chapter. Job 16 and verse 1 and see what he said concerning some of their not helpful but hindering counsel and words. Job 16.1 Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> Shall vain words have an end? When are you ever going to shut up and get to the end? What emboldens you that you answer? I could speak like you do if your soul were in my soul's stead. You know, it helps us if we see somebody hurting, in pain, we ought to endeavor in our mind to put ourselves in their shoes. And think, what would I want somebody to say to me if the tables were turned? What would help me? And if your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you like you're doing with me. Yeah, you must have missed it somewhere. Because I'm in trouble like you got. Y'all, your kids die in a big storm and, and ever, your camels and your goats and your sheep and your cows stolen in a day. And here you are sitting sick, scraping yourself. You bound to messed up bad. Bad. You blew it somewhere. And he's saying, and how does that help me? If our places were swapped, I could come and preach at you and condemn you too. He said, but I wouldn't do it. Verse 5, I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips would assuage your grief. He said, I wouldn't do it. I would help you. I I would say things that would strengthen you and I would say things that would ease your pain and help your grief. You know, we believe in faith. We believe in victory. We believe in healing. We believe in prosperity. 
But we should believe more than anything in love. Right? I know some years ago, uh, some older ministers, acquaintances of mine, wonderful people, lovely people. They, they didn't come out of what you'd call word, faith circles. And so a lot of the things that you and I have talked about and heard, uh, they didn't. But just had an amazing ministry. And the gifts of the Spirit and some other things, outstanding. Well, she got sick and uh, stayed sick for a while and then went home to be with the Lord. And I saw him in a restaurant. Uh, oh, this was 20 years ago. But I saw him in the restaurant and I came by to speak to him. And, and I told him I was sorry to hear about his uh, wife going home. But thank God we know where she's at. He said, sit down with me just a minute. He's an elder, much older, and I did, and was endeavored to be respectful. And he said, uh, he said, you know, some of those students from that faith school come by to see me. I said, yes, sir. He said, they basically said that if she'd had enough faith, she'd been healed. He looked at me with a tear in his eye. He said, that didn't help me. I said, I'm sorry, brother so-and-so. I said, they, maybe they're just young kids and acting ignorant when they should be keeping their mouth shut. I said, uh, I know you're a man of faith. I know she's a woman of faith. And, and uh, there's just a lot we don't know. And I apologize for them and best I could. And, but did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? What if it was? That she was lacking in faith. Which I don't know if that was. I don't know what the case was. But what if it was? She's gone home to be with the Lord. Right? Which is where all of us are looking forward to going. Right? And what we should be thinking. What should we be thinking? Help me out. We've been. What would help him? What could we say that he could hear? That would strengthen him. That would help assuage his grief. And you know. Until you have been. Where somebody is. And you have overcome. What they're dealing with. You need to be quiet. About what somebody ought to do. And how they could do this. And that. I've seen some of these folks. That are so quick to holler. Well you should have believed God. And you should have done that. And you should have done this. And I mean they can get a toe ache. And cry half the night. I mean pitiful. Just no faith. But they can sure tell everybody else. What they ought to be doing. It's easy to talk. It's kind of like. Armchair quarterbacking. You know. I mean you can kick. And you can holler. And you can go. Why didn't you catch the ball? Why didn't you? It was right there. It was right there. <laughs> All you had to do is close your little hands. Oh yeah, it's easy for you sitting up there in air-conditioned comfort in your lazy boy with your glass of tea and holler about catching the ball. But what you don't know is that when he turned to catch the ball, those three fractured ribs he got last week was calling his name big time. And sun and sweat was in his eyes. And how I many it's a whole nother thing when you're out there on the field in the middle of it. So don't, don't, 
be telling people, well, if you had enough faith, or why didn't you do this, or why did you put up with that? Well, what are you doing? And what have you done? And what have you overcome? Have you ever had what they had? Have you ever dealt with what they're dealing with? Because if you had and you overcome it, you know it was by the grace of God and you'd be compassionate and you'd be merciful and you'd be kind. So the loudest, most judgmental people are also the people who've done nothing. But what should we be thinking about? What the scriptures say, don't let any corrupt thing, uh, no hurtful thing come out of your mouth. But what? Only what is good to the use of building them up that it would minister grace to the hearer. Can you say amen? Amen. Look in the, we can just put this up on the screen. You don't necessarily have to look this up. But in Daniel, the 10th chapter, Daniel 10 and 12, you see such a clear picture of the power of words in this area. Daniel was fasting and seeking the Lord. And the Bible said that uh, the angel came and appeared to Daniel, said to him, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were come, you were heard, and I am come, why? For your words. Is it so that angels move because of our words? That's a whole other message, isn't it? Verse 13, he goes on to talk about what's going to happen and explains to him. And in verse 19, he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace unto you, be strong, yea, be strong. Now the angel is speaking words to him. If you read the previous, uh, well back up to verse 18, I may be moving too quick on this. Back up to verse uh 16, he said, one like the sons of men touched my lips, and when I opened my mouth, I spoke, and I said, my Lord, the vision, my sorrows are retained, I have no strength. When he saw this angel, he fell out, and he couldn't even raise his head, he couldn't even speak. And in verse 17, how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord, for as me, straightway there remains no strength in me, there's no breath left in me. These are amazing beings, aren't they? And verse 18, Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. Verse 19, he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Is he saying something to him? Is he saying something just to give him a positive reinforcement? Are these words released to actually do what he's saying to give him peace and to make him strong? And when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. Everybody say that out loud. When he had spoken to me, me, I was strengthened. strengthened. Say it again. When he had spoken to me, me, I was strengthened. strengthened. Say it again. When he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. And he said, okay, now Lord speak. You can talk to me now because you've strengthened me. He was able to raise his head up and get up and listen and breathe. Why? Because this word was spoken to him. Peace. Be strong. And it wasn't just information. It picked him up. It, the very words picked him up. Wouldn't it be good for people that had listened to you to be able to say, when you, talk, when you spoke to me, I was strengthened. 
I was getting weary. I felt like quitting. I was down. But when you spoke to me, it ministered grace to me. When you spoke to me, it helped me. It helped me. You won't get those kind of results saying everything that crosses your mind. Or telling everybody how you feel. Most of how you feel should never come out of your mouth. Now come on, think about this. We need to ask ourselves, why am I telling them this? It was just so hard at work today. You know, and that old gal that works over there, she chewed me out. And man, that guy, he said this and he did this. Why are you telling them this? Why? Usually, you're either wanting them to feel sorry for you and pet you, which is the last thing your flesh needs. Flesh doesn't need to be petted. Flesh needs to be crucified. (laughs) Or you're trying to impress them with what you said or did and wanting them to think big and much of you. And that's pride. That's ugly and just as bad. And a lot of times when you're telling somebody your problems, if you just stop and think about it, you'd realize a lot of folks are just barely making it. They're struggling with their faith to deal with the stuff that they've got, and they just don't need to hear yours. Because they're not going to respond in faith. They barely got a half a nostril above water anyway, and they'll hear yours and they just go, oh Lord, it's that way everywhere. They don't need to hear your problems too because it's not going to help them. It would just discourage them to hear. So you need to think about what can I say to them that will pick them up and help them. And again and again, it won't be what you're dealing with or what you're thinking and feeling. Selah. This is an important word today. I'm endeavoring to take my time and not miss things because there are pieces of this. We need all of them to go together. Do you believe that words can be spoken and the hearer be strengthened and quickened? Now, do you believe such words could come out of your mouth? Do you desire this? If you love people, you desire this. You want words to come out of your mouth that will help them. Go to the book of Acts, please. The book of Acts. And we will look at the 14th chapter first. Acts 14 and verse uh, 1. It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. This is the apostles. And they spoke. So that a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks, believed. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews, stirred up by the Gentiles, stirred up rather, the Gentiles, and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Paul and his company come in. They're preaching the word of God. People are getting helped. People are getting stirred up. These other people come in 
and start saying things against Paul and the apostles and their ministry team so that a number of people, uh, their minds are changed toward these men of God and no longer go to their meetings and no longer listen to them and receive from them. Is this serious? Are these men sin of God? Are they anointed? Is this message from the Lord? Do they need to hear this word? But now they're not going to hear it. Because somebody came along and talked to them and said negative uh, things about these individuals and convinced them. You wonder if all the churches across the country and the world this morning, if there are people not in those services that should be, not getting things they should be getting because they listened to somebody somewhere that turned their mind against it. And so now they are laying out and they're unhooked and they're not getting the supply of the spirit that they need and they're not getting fed and they are bitter. And that root of bitterness is also defiling other people that listen to them because they're spewing out the same stuff to anybody that will hear them. The scripture says in the NIV, it said uh, they poisoned their minds against the brothers. The NAS says they embittered them against the brothers. Now this is the work of the devil through people's mouths, including Christians' mouths. Did you know the devil wants to use your mouth? If he wants to cause trouble in the church... There's no need in him trying to get somebody that don't even come to the church to say something. Hmm? He wants to use your mouth. And the closer to the ministry and the closer to the operations, the better. He wants to use my mouth. He wants to use your mouth to poison people's minds and harden their hearts and blind their minds and embitter them. Against the word, against the ministers, against the church, against the things of God. And we need to make up our mind we're not going to let him use our mouth. Now we've all made mistakes in this area. I have. Uh, Years ago, in particular, I said, somebody was asking me about some ministry things. And I wanted to make sure they knew I was not a part of that. And so I said this and that about it and didn't mean to, but I cast that person in an unfavorable light. And as soon as they walked away and I walked away, man, my heart was so grieved. And I came to my office and fell down on my knees. I said, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. And he began to help me to see that now that person thought less of that brother than they did before they talked to me and that I could have even been influential in them not inviting them to their church or meetings that they didn't have. I thought, oh God, I put my nose in the carpet. I said, please, Lord, what can I say something else to him or or what can I do? But the damage had already been done. Should we let the devil use our mouths to influence somebody's mind Against a brother or a sister. We'll have to be quick to hear and slow to speak. If we're going to stop this. Won't we? And people will sometimes they'll push you. And pressure you. 
to say things and offer opinions about this. And you need to be strong and say, I got nothing to say about it. No, I love them. They're a good brother. Well, what about this? What about, hey, that's between them and the Lord. Uh, a whole lot of it you don't know. So just say, I don't know. I'm not, the, I don't know. But what do you think? Why should I say what I think? And I don't know. What do you think? I think it's lovely weather we're having. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> Can you say amen? Well, hold your place there in Acts and go to um, Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew 18. Ephesians said, let no corrupt thing come out of your mouth, no hurtful thing, only what is good to the use of building up that it may minister grace to the hearer. In Matthew 18 and 6. 18, 6 says, who, Jesus is talking. He said, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. This is a picture. A millstone, anybody ever seen a millstone? They used to grind corn with or, or wheat or whatever. Huge. I mean, it might be tall as you, or bigger. Great. What if you had one of them things tied around your neck and they pitched you over the side of the boat? What's going to happen? Kabloop. Straight to the bottom. And he went on to say, drown. Ain't nobody getting you out. Drown. And that's better than something else? How could having a big rock around your neck and thrown into the sea and drowning, how could that be better than anything? It can be better if you drowned and went on to be with Jesus instead of causing a young believer who believes in the Lord to no longer believe in the Lord. This word offend has that connotation. Offend means that you stop believing in somebody you should believe in. They got their minds evil affected, embittered, changed, hurt, mad, and unhooked and quit believing in somebody they should be believing in. Oh, friend, we should only be encouragers of the brethren, not discouragers, not hurt. You know, the Bible talks about this when those 12 spies went uh, and searched out the land. And they came back and gave the report. And Caleb and Joshua stood up and they said, oh, it's just like the Lord told us. It flows with milk and money. Milk and honey. Yeah. <laughs> milk and money. <laughs> milk and honey and money. So... Uh, it's a good land. They said we can go get it. What are they, are they trying to encourage your brother? We can do this thing. We can take this thing. But 10, the majority of the 12. How many know the majority is not always right? The majority said, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, it's got some nice fruit and stuff. But 
There are giants. I mean, there's guys 10 feet tall. They look at us like grasshoppers. And they will kill us. It's a land that eats people up and spits them out. If you want to die, go over there. And the Bible said they influenced the whole community. They swayed them so that hundreds of thousands of people went straight back to their tents and cried all night long. And the Bible said they discouraged the hearts of their brethren. Another verse said they caused their hearts to melt. In Acts, if you just go over to the, uh, you're holding your place, go to that 21st chapter, I believe it is. Acts 21. Acts 21 and 13. The word of the Lord had come out that there's going to be some persecution and some issues against Paul when he went to Jerusalem. And the people that were there begin to plead with him, don't go. Back up to verse 12. When we heard those things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. They're trying to get him, don't go. Now, is he supposed to go or not go? I've heard some theologians who said, yeah, Paul, he's a good man, but here he missed it here. No, he didn't miss it. When he got saved on the road to Damascus, the Lord told him he's going to show him what things he must suffer. He's going to bear his name before kings and Gentiles. That's exactly what happened. That's how he got him there. And he went on to say, verse 13, Paul said, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? I'm ready not to be bound only, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 14 when he would not be persuaded, thank God. What if they had talked him out of that? We wouldn't have half the New Testament. He wrote some of these letters in jail. When he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying what? The will of the Lord be done. So they were never convinced it was the will of God for him not to go. So why are they trying to talk him out of going? Friend, listen to this now. These people loved Paul. And here they are doing their best to talk him out of obeying God. Isn't that something? They love him. And they're crying and putting, go, oh Paul, Paul, you're our man of God. Please don't go. Oh Paul, we need you. Please don't go. He said, quit it. Quit it. What are you doing? Crying and breaking my heart. I am ready to go. I'm ready. If it's bad, I'm ready to die at Jerusalem. You quit this. So they said, well, okay, the will of the Lord be done. Well, okay, why didn't you say that a while ago? Instead of going through all this gyration. Friends, we got to be on the watch. What did it say about Paul? He would not be persuaded. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your friends and they're crying and they're whining. Don't let anybody, friend or foe, family or enemy, don't let anybody talk you out of your faith. Talk you out of obeying God. Come on, are you listening? Talk you out of being encouraged. Talk you out of being strong. Don't you let anybody do it. And on the other hand, don't you be the one who's talking somebody out of their faith or trying to discourage somebody from their vision. If somebody's got a bigger vision than you, don't try to water it down. Just shout with them. Right? If somebody is excited about obeying God beyond where you are, don't you get in there with your little subtle things. Well, I don't go too far. Watch out. Got to use wisdom. Got to use wisdom. Watch out. What are you trying to do? You're trying to pour water on their flame. You're trying to... Hmm? 
rain on their parade. We are encouragers of the brethren. Hmm? Everybody who comes by you and hears you talk ought to leave and go out the other side more fired up to believe God than they were before they saw you. More fired up to go out and do the will of God than before they met you and heard you. And anything else, you just hush and are quiet. Because if it's judgment or this or that, that's between them and the Lord anyway. Because you are the encourager. Somebody say encourager. Say it out loud, encourager. Of the Lord. Can you take one more thing? Go to Matthew the fifth chapter. And also Ephesians. I believe it's. No, no. Colossians 3. Matthew 5. Colossians 3. Matthew 5. Colossians 3. In Matthew 5.22. Notice something else Jesus said. Let's look at what strong language the master is using about these things. A millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Now, if you'd never heard that before and you came in here this morning and your preacher, I looked at you and said, you know, you'd be better off with a big rock around your neck and thrown into the sea and drowned than doing this. People would get up and leave. They'd go. Jesus told us this, didn't he? How many think there's a third option? Besides discourage and hurting people's faith or being drowned in the sea, could there be another option? <laughs> let's don't get drowned in the sea and let's don't hurt people with our words. Let's encourage people. Let's study to answer and encourage and help edify and not hurt. He said this, to, whoever's angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of the judgment. Whoever shall say, say. This is something you say unto your brother. Reka. Now we don't even know what that means in most places. This is from other languages. We'll get to it in a moment. He'll be in danger of counsel. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. What do these words mean? This is in danger of judgment? In danger of hell fire? I mean, that sounds worse than millstone around the neck. What does that mean? The New American Standard says, whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing. Amplified says, whoever says, you empty-headed idiot. What would these words be designed to do? Designed to convince a person that they are utterly worthless. Who would want to convince a child of God that they are utterly worthless? The devil. But you know whose mouth he wants to use to do it? Well, are they going to pay attention to somebody they don't even know that's crossing the street? No, he wants to use your mouth that's close to them, that it would affect them. And you hear people talk, well, I I didn't mean all that. I just got mad and and I said some things I didn't mean. And that's what the master's talking about. We'll be accountable for even idle and non-productive words because the devil would try to use things 
and convince people. And that's why we are in danger of serious judgment. If we just get mad or we get hurt or we get upset, we lie into people and we try to convince them that they are empty-headed idiots and worthless and this and that. Friend, this is dangerous ground. Maybe they did do something empty-headed. Maybe they did do something stupid. Maybe they were lacking in faith or whatever. What should we be thinking? What is going to help them? Get out of this. What is going to help them? Not what will hurt them. What will help them? Well, I just feel this way. Well, you don't have to say what you feel. I just got mad. Well, shut up. Be angry and what? Don't sin. Hush. Leave the room. Go somewhere. Cool down. Study to answer. Think about what you need to say. And say words. Don't just say to express. Speak for effect. Like God. I'm going to release my words. What can I say, Father, that will help this one? And how many believe in every situation God knows exactly what they need to hear? And will help you. Colossians 3. Are you there? We're, I'm getting close to closing. Colossians 3. This begins at the house. In our family. With our spouses. With our children. With our grandchildren. In Colossians 3 and 21. What does it say? Fathers. What? Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be what? Discouraged. Now, Jesus, what he was saying about telling somebody, Reka, empty-headed, worthless idiot, he said, angry with your brother. And here you see the word anger. Provoke them to anger. So much is said in anger that should have never been said. It was actually words that the devil got spoken into your home. He'd been trying to get those words spoken for some time and he had to get people upset and mad enough to get them out. And what he wants to do is even if you didn't mean it, he wants to bring those back to that person every day and every night for the next five years. Did you hear me? Because he wants to convince them that they really are empty-headed idiots, worthless whatever. He's a mean devil, isn't he? And here he talks about parents, fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger. Why? Well, they did this and it made me mad and I let them have it. Well, then you're a fool. Well, it's my house and then I'll be. Yeah, you're a fool. You sound like a fool. You want your kids to run off and make more mistakes? You want them not want to be around you? Or do you want them to grow up and be strong? You want y'all to have a good strong relationship 20, 30, 50 years from now? Well, think about what you're doing. Don't say what you feel. What is going to help? What is going to help? Notice what it says. Don't provoke your children to anger lest they be what? I saw something today I hadn't seen before. You know, you see in a lot of inner city areas and a lot of 
hard areas, you see a lot of anger, don't you? People are mad. They're upset. And I hadn't seen this as clearly before. You know why they're mad? They're discouraged. Why are they so angry? Because you meet people and you never saw them before. And they're just angry. Man, they're mad. They'll hurt you. How did they get so angry? They've been provoked and poked and kicked since they were little kids. And they're discouraged. They don't see any way out. And that's manifested in anger. Oh, but if they could just see. There is hope. There is a way out. There is a different way to live. You can have a different life. God will help you. He will bring you out. And if they could hear somebody tell them encouraging words. Oh, somebody just like you. Just like you. Just like you. Show up with a big smile on your face. And say something that they never heard before. I had somebody look at me just last week. They said, I have never heard anybody say that to me before. I said, well, it's true. I can show you in the Bible. They smiled the biggest smile I used to hear from here. They said, I've never heard that before. I said, it's true. And you know, there's a world full of people just like that. They have never heard what you and I have heard so many years. They've never heard it before. And they're mad. And so many times people just look at them and go, well, man, what's your problem? You chip on your shoulder, you know. And what you so mad about? No, let's grow up. Let's have some wisdom. Let's realize they've been provoked. They've been kicked. They've been poked. They're discouraged. They don't believe there's any way out. So they're mad. Which is why God saved you and raised you and healed you and thrilled you and filled you and sent you across their path. And here you come at just the right time with just the right word that they need to hear. And they'll look at you and go, I had never heard that before. And you begin to see a light begin to come in their eyes. Could it be true? Could it be true God would heal me? Could it be true he would get me out of this poverty? Could it be true? Could it be true? And you need to be there to convince them that it is. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. We are speaking spirits just like our Father. Our words won't return void. They will accomplish what we send them to do. Thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hands. Thank the Lord for the privilege of knowing these things. Being able to do these things. Say it out loud, Father God. My mouth is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Forgive me. Saying wrong things. Hurtful things, allowing the enemy to use my mouth, forgive me. It's not my heart. I repent. And I make available to you my lips, my tongue, my mouth to speak your words through me. A word in season. To him or her that's weary and worn, speak through me words of healing, words of wisdom, 
Words that strengthen and make strong. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.